Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined by the big fella, the chairman, Brian Hunsaker. How you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. How about yourself? Doing good. You and Spencer did a phenomenal job without me. I'm considering retiring from the podcasting <laughs> business. Great conversation on Roth conversions, which if you haven't listened to it, you better. Take advantage of those Roths. Yes, yes, and today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We've addressed it in in prior podcasts, but we've never hit it directly. And it's in the news as much as anything else right now, well, besides the Delta variant, which we're not going to talk about. But this is something that everybody's feeling in their pocketbook. Let me throw some numbers at you, Brian, and then we'll discuss uh, our, our conversation. Or the topic. The prices of used cars and trucks are up 45% in 2021 compared to 2020. Gasoline's up 45%. Moving storage freight expenses up 17%. Public transportation up 17%. Vehicle insurance, which is kind of interesting, up 11.3%, although there's an explanation as to why. Furniture and bedding, 8.6. Sporting goods, 7.5. Tobacco. I don't know anybody that really smokes heavily anymore. But, hey, that's up 7% too. Footwear, 6.5% on down the list. Women's and girls apparel. Katie, this one's for you, 5.3%. So what we're seeing here is... Inflation, Brian. Inflation. Inflation. Now, the media, we're going to talk about all about inflation today. And again, th- those are year-over-year numbers, right? Yep, year-over-year. So where were we a year ago? We were in a lockdown. Yeah, so that that's one thing to keep in mind. Is this is compared to 2020 when still we were, July of 2020, pretty much locked down. Yep. No one was traveling. A lot of people weren't going to the stores. So it's got to be put into perspective. Right. But even still, I filled up my truck the other day. And I haven't paid that much in a really, really long time. Amen, brother. Painful. Your your truck's tank's bigger than mine. Yeah. 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 It's expensive. Very. So the media, of course, inflation numbers came out this week, and, and we're at 5.39% 5.39% inflation right now, which is crazy. Uh, there's three reasons for that, three primary reasons for that. Number one, we are in, as you mentioned, Brian, reopening an economy. Okay? Uh, supply chains have been interrupted. Talk about vehicles. We have a, a, a client that owns a couple dealerships, and he can't get cars in because the supply chains have been interu- mm-hmm. interrupted. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first reason. The second reason is this economy is on fire. Uh, as we reopen, the economy's on fire. And, and the third reason why is we've had massive stimulus. We've got paychecks going out seemingly every month to people. Well, they're starting to be every month, in fact. And we've got new, you know, infrastructure plans and different things like that. So massive spending and stimulus. So those three things have caused inflation to get to 
This is the biggest thing I think on investors' minds right now, in large part because the media looks for this, I'm going to call it financial pornography, (laughs) (laughs) to scare the crap out of people. So, Brian, my question to you in setting all that up, and I'm going to stop talking, is inflation 5.39%? First, would love to know your thoughts or... And second, I want to know what impact this can have on somebody's ability to accomplish their long-term financial goals, which is what every one of our clients are trying to accomplish. If you uh, ask me, what is it that uh, scares me at night, or you know, what are my nightmares? Uh, it's it's inflation. <laughs> that's that's one of the biggest concerns. Why? Inflation is that silent killer that you don't see it, but it uh, it creeps up on you in the middle of the night, and uh, it's it's very detrimental to to uh, accomplishing financial goals and uh, the cost of living. If your cost of living goes up dramatically, that uh, um, is very disruptive. It's also disruptive uh, to uh, financial plans, retirement plans, uh, financial assets. Uh, if you have high inflation, generally what uh, happens is you see higher interest rates to um, sort of combat uh, fixed assets. Re- investors require higher returns with fixed assets when you have higher inflation. So what happens? Bond prices go down, interest rates go up, interest rates go up. That's that is a uh, kind of an anchor on asset prices and businesses and. So, yeah, that's one of the things I, 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 I do worry about is, is high inflation. So is this a, a new worry or is this something that, that we've been kind of talking to people for the last 10, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years about? Is that inflation, that it's, eroding of purchasing power over time, that, the silent killer? That is, that's something that uh, it's not new. We've, we've been thinking about this forever. And we, it's something that uh, the financial markets look at very closely is uh, inflation. That's why we're seeing it in the news. That's what people are talking about. It, you talk about financial pornography. I mean, that's that's what they're talking about every day, inflation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the other thing, they, along with that, is interest rates and where are interest rates today. The, 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 the head scratcher a little bit today is you, you were seeing these high inflation numbers, but yet interest rates – have stayed low, which we're always told that the bond market is a better predictor of things to come than the stock market. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? If we think about those three reasons, right? The number one one being supply chain interruptions. What does the bond market tell you about it's what it believes inflation to be? Well, it, it, I, I think the bond market, the financial uh, markets don't believe that inflation is uh, is permanent and uh, it will subside over time, whether that's six months, a year, or two years. Um, not sure, but I've uh, read reports that the five-year expectation on inflation is still very um, moderate, and uh, that's important. If we have long-term inflation... And high high rates of inflation, they call it runaway inflation, like we had in the 70s. 
Uh, that's that that would be a big problem, and uh, we we know what the '70s. The '70s was one of the worst uh, markets, financial market, stock market uh, in a long, long time. In fact, uh, yeah, in a long time, and uh, and interest rates in the early '80s went up to double digit. Uh, you talk to you know older people, and they talk about buying their first home, and the interest their thirty year mortgage was at twelve uh, percent, uh, which is crazy. You know, here we are today, we're seeing 30-year mortgages in the, I think, around 3%, something like that. So, as you talk about those things, certainly you're you're kind of scaring me a little bit, right? This is the fear that everybody's focused on. Mm-hmm. But the real question is, if somebody's looking to retire in five years or is in retirement now, is there any way to fight that inflation to overcome that inflation? And if so... How so that they're not losing sleep over that at night? Yeah, there is, and uh, there's a, there's a way to to fight it. There's a way not to fight it, and, and and one of the worst assets that you can own is fixed return assets like bonds and cash. Cash. Uh, when you think about it, when you have five percent inflation and your and what is what are money marks paying today? Less, well under yeah. a quarter of a percent. Yep. Point and, one. And so. That's that's uh, you're losing your purchasing power in, in money markets and cash. You're losing purchasing power in fixed, you know, high quality fixed income. In fact, even high yield bonds today are incredibly low. I think high yields around three percent, which is that's that's uh, less than inflation rate. This is high yield. I mean, high yields typically seven eight percent or plus, and today it's so the market doesn't believe that 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 it, that this inflation is uh, permanent that it's it's going to st- stick around it thinks it's transitory and uh that it will kind of work its say, work its way out now the way to to beat inflation is to own real assets like what like a business like a farm like uh, income producing property even hard uh, proper, just land. Why does why does owning a good business or an income producing property? And let's let's focus on the business first, and then we can even bring in the property because we're not real estate investors. We'll, let's still talk about it. But why does that help someone overcome that the biggest risk in retirement, which is the loss of purchasing power? So when I th- when I when we define a good business, we're talking about a business that has durable competitive advantages. Part of that part of that competitive advantage is having pricing power. They have a product or service that's in demand, that that uh, their customers are willing to pay for and even pay up for because it's a premium service or a product, and they're able to pass on those inflationary costs onto the customer. And that's that's part of the definition of a good business. So so I'm going to take us back for a second here, okay? because this is what companies are facing now. But I want to take a step back to look at an example. Good businesses, and I'm going to pick on Disney, and that's not a recommendation to go and buy, but Disney during COVID, for example, this is what good businesses do. During COVID, they shift. They shifted their entire business to not be cruises or theme parks a theme park focus, but they moved to Disney plus streaming and they reinvented themselves as a business 
to cope with COVID, and now they're trading at all-time highs, nearing 200 bucks a share. That's what good businesses do. So, Brian, you're telling me that a good business in an inflationary environment, if you own a good business, they've got pricing power. They can pass those those prices increases on to the consumer. But even even more than that, they can they can innovate to reduce costs on their side as well, similar to what Disney did during COVID. They can innovate and become more productive to where maybe they don't need to pass the costs on to consumers as much as people believe, but maybe they're just going to become a more productive, better company because of it. It forces their hand. It forces their hand, and uh, in a in a kind of an odd way, um, it it puts them kind of in a little bit in the driver's seat in the, in essence that against some of their competitors that don't have these durable competitive advantages and the, the their moat just gets deeper and wider and that's when we talk about a business with that has a competitive advantage we're, one way that we describe it is is a moat if you have a castle and you have this moat around your castle and uh, we want that moat to be deep and wide. And what's happening in the case, and again, this is, as Brett says, this is for, we're not recommending Disney, but in the case of Disney, their moat has gotten deeper and wider during this time. Because of COVID. Because of, it's, it's crazy. Yep. But we owned, we owned Disney before COVID and uh, didn't know COVID was coming. But that's, that's the that's the beauty of owning great businesses. Here, here's an example of Disney, and I don't want to harp on this, but this is, it has nothing to do with theme parks. I took my daughter to the new movie Black Widow mm-hmm. in, the, in the theater, yeah. right? Enjoyed the movie. It was great. She liked it so much, she came home, gave me some money, and we bought it dang on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> they got me twice. Yeah. <laughs> right? That didn't exist before COVID. So you would think that the companies are going to do the same thing in, in, in a high inflationary environment. We don't think. We know companies are going to do the same thing. Uh, I can think of uh, a lot of situations or companies that uh, what we just described, that their moat got deeper and wider during this this last year and a half two years during covid and uh just accelerated some of their competitive advantages and and it's great to own businesses like that yep yep and here's the beautiful thing and this is why i don't want people to lose sleep over it if they have a portfolio with the foundation of great businesses like we build for our clients Jeremy Siegel, one of my favorite, you know, I I have very few favorite academics. (laughs) But he's one of them because he's real life, right? He looked at the stock market return since the Jefferson administration. That's a long time ago. That's a long time. That's a long time ago. And he produced real returns on stocks. And that covers every high inflationary environment and every low, everything. And the real return, less inflation. So you're taking inflation 
that's eroding the returns. These are real returns. So you're factoring in the inflation, the cost of losing money inflation. We're 7%. That's your net return. That's your take, net return. Taking out inflation. Yep. Yeah. And the reason why that's so impressive is because, and the reason why I don't think people should lose sleep over inflation, although it stinks, uh, is because companies adjust over over time. Just exactly what we're doing, we're talking right. about. Right. And all you need to do is buy the great company, sit back and relax, you know, and certainly pay more to fill up your truck, but we're talking in terms of, in terms of, long-term financial planning and accomplishing your goals. I don't think people, if it's built the right way, people don't have to worry about it. So when we talk about portfolios built the right way, by the way, Brian, what? what <laughs> I know you and I know this, but what's the right way for a portfolio to be built? If you could have, if you could just tell clients. And, and they could handle the truth. What would it be? What would be a good portfolio to combat this inflationary environment? Well, we're <laughs> we're just uh, we're we're kind of broken records here, and we say that hundred percent. We yeah. say the same thing over and over and over again, and every I, week. And I apologize to every day in this if, office. If if anybody listening gets tired of us saying this, I, I apologize. But it's just it's pretty simple. Own great businesses, run by good people, pay a fair price for them, and uh, and hopefully sleep well at night. and And that's what I do. I sleep. I sleep. I don't worry. I'm not worried about inflation. I'm not losing sleep about inflation right now. Um, if we had the '70s type inflation, you know, that would be disruptive. But guess what? I don't think. I mean, we we if you own a great business during even during the '70s, um, you did okay. And, uh, and, it, and you might've had a couple rough years and, uh, that's just, that's part of investing. That's just, yep. <laughs> that's what it is. And that's, we're not, that's not going to ever go away. And that's, that's always going to be, you know, hard for some people. Um, but if you own a great business and you're a long-term investor and just let that company build and grow and, and compound their profits and by, and by doing that, you know, in, the value of a business is correlated almost 100% to the, the the profits of that business. And as profits grow and revenues grow over time, the, that business becomes more valuable. And that's what you want. Yep. So, Although her, earnings are hurt during inflation, right? As the company in, innovates, maybe the earnings increase. And, you know... From quarter, point. and there's going to be quarters and even, you know, maybe a rough year for a business here too, yep. you know. And, uh, but that's, you know, maybe in the, in like a farmer, a farmer's, you know, a drought year, he's going to have a tough year, but the next year he has, you know, makes up for, has a good year. Yep. And, uh, it's just, that's that, life. That's also why it's important to, to review your financial plan yearly to address these concerns and maybe make an adjustment or two as, as time ticks on. Um, we talked a couple things I want to hit on before we wrap up, right? We talked about real estate investors, those that own property with that generate income. To overcome inflation, what, Brian, very simple, what would a real estate investor do to the, you know, renting out a home or whatever it may be, apartments or whatever, what are they going to do to combat inflation? In Why real, is real estate a good yeah, hedge against inflation? What do they say about real estate? 
uh, location, location, location. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's in in our world in the in the owning the business world of of owning businesses. Um, it's that's the competitive advantage of a lot of times in real estate is a, a piece of property that's in a great location that there's a lot of demand for. If, if you're building a piece of property in, uh, and no offense to say Vernal, Utah or anything, <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> but no, but no offense to the Vernal, but if you're building a piece of pro- a one acre, you know, property in Vernal versus a one acre property in downtown Salt Lake, it's going to be different. They're wildly different. You know, the costs of, you know, construction are going to be different too, but. Uh, and that real estate investor has the same thing that these great businesses have and that is pricing power. And that's how they overcome. Yeah. They increase rent. A great piece of property in a great location, qual you know, good quality and everything like that. Yeah, that's that's the competitive advantage of a piece of property. Real okay. estate. Okay. So the other thing I want to hit on is let's talk about the consumer for a second because they're feeling it in their pocketbook. Used cars and trucks forty five percent. Again, reiterating these numbers. Gasoline up forty five percent. Sporting goods, I know that's where you'd like to spend a little bit of time seven and a half percent appliances up 5.8 percent so what should a consumer do and we look we know the consumer is the healthiest consumer we've we've had there's more money in their savings and checking account than there's been in decades and so right now they're willing to pay but what should consumers think about anything well, we have uh, some incredible businesses that uh, out there that uh, you can b- buy in bulk, like at Costco. <laughs> uh, the way that's one way to you know save save uh, at the save a little money on your pocketbook. Um, yeah, just shop around and look around for for good prices, um, better prices. My wife is great at that i'm not very good at it i'm just i'm probably not very patient in that way but me too when it comes to shopping i'm better you know looking at a business but when it comes to sh- shopping <laughs> um, with and, you. and being disciplined yeah uh, i told my wife i could unwind the most complex option spread you can throw at me and mitigate risk but these simple things in life, I yep, that's that's her strength. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But the interesting thing too, though, is we've seen we've seen wages wages are a part of this inflation number, right? And wages should increase as well. People should be making more money, although their money is w- worth less. And so, and and look, there's going to be a gap between wage increase and five point three nine percent inflation, but it shouldn't be too dramatic i sometimes i feel like yeah it stinks to fill up your tank of gas but guess what you do it anyway mm-hmm. yeah that's probably the wrong way to look at it but probably more like you hey just be careful <laughs> spend keep your budget whatever it may be all right so let's talk about as we end one of my favorite things is that every calamity always ends in the words of nick murray this too shall pass Mm -hmm. and i think he's referring to the great book called the bible as he says that right but supply chains the economy that's red hot and the government massive stimulus how do those three things come to an end first the supply chain how do how do we fix that brian 
because that's a large part of inflation numbers. Yeah, we, we've just have had some bottlenecks. Uh, the Suez Canal shut down. There was a ship that got stuck <laughs> in the middle of the Suez Canal. And, and container ships, you know, come into the U.S. And that, you know, that, that, was a, that was a bottleneck, and that's had a disruption. And then, of course, manufacturing was shut down last year in a lot of different – I know auto – the auto, you know, auto, automobile manufacturers were shut down for a period of time. And so that's – put them back a couple months and then you know that all of their all the all of their uh, suppliers were shut down and so those things are going to work their way out work through we'll work through that over time it's it, i don't know if it's going to take another six months or a year year and a half two years but i'm pretty confident we'll work our way through that we're so much better today because of technology at uh manufacturing and 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 not manufacturing not manufacturing or staying on top of uh, demand and what what is needed out there. Yep. Companies are so smart, and and we have the technology that uh, I'm pretty confident we're going to work that those sort of issues through, you know, over the next six months, a year or so. And I'm I'm always an optimist, and I think companies will adjust in their supply chains. That I would think that will be sooner rather than later, although I don't know, but. Yeah, so that one of the reasons why inflation is as high as it is is going to work its way out just as supply chains catch up. The second thing, which is an economy's red hot, look, throughout history, everything reverts back to the mean. Right? So an economy that's red hot is going to cool down, and that's up to the Fed to help in that regard. But the, the risk there in a red hot economy is we overdo it. Yep. We, we overbuild, we overspend, we overinvest. And then all of a sudden there's this excess, huge excess supply out there and there's no buyers. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Now we have a recession. Boom. <laughs> yep. We yep. have rece- and, and so, but I, I, I don't see that. I think, I think uh, because, again, I go back to technology. We're, we're pretty good at, at managing those, those supply chains and, and saying, okay, we're, We've kind of we're 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 at equilibrium. Let's cut back on manufacturing, and, and you know that that will happen. I mean, you see it. It's still in oil, where we produce, produce, produce. Prices get so low, and and then all of a sudden, you know, prices are so Stop. low. No one, yeah, no one yep. can make money at it. And, and, and there's other dynamics there going on, but uh, we're pretty good at it. So a red hot economy will revert back to the mean, hopefully smoothly, and and glide in as it does so. And then the third thing is the massive stimulus government spending. There's something that I'm looking forward to in 2022, which is elections, yeah. right? Midterm elections. And, and a lot of the, that, that's the beautiful thing about a government that's spending and starting to print paychecks and, you know, uh, a day of reckoning always comes as it does for everybody. And, you know, we'll see what 2022 brings in that regard. But I think that there's always ebbs and flows, and it's always a pendulum, and it swings both ways. And and those three things that are causing this massive inflation increase, you know, they'll pass. And and then we'll get back to a normal inflation, 3 to 4%. I, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, a little bit higher inflation, uh the, the the Fed has a target of two percent, but we've always talked about you know the the federal uh, 
our federal uh, deficit. And one of the ways that we, one of the ways we sort of work our way through this, or work our way out of this problem, is such a high deficit, is uh, is then through inflation. <laughs> You think about it, you know, a mortgage. You, this, we talked about buying a home in the '80s, and you had this 13 percent uh, mortgage, and yep. you know, some, you know, they bought a house for 35,000 back then, or something like that, and they had a mortgage on it. Well, today, a 35,000 dollar mortgage is, in today's world, is 300,000. I mean, yeah, but I mean that, but that person that bought that mortgage 30 years ago, 35,000 is is very small. Yep. I mean, it's a it's a small number, and uh, that's that's what inflation does. Because you know, you know that same house now, like you said, is three hundred. Well, it's probably like five hundred thousand. That same house today, yeah. at least here in Utah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. The last thing I'll mention before we wrap up that we didn't talk about, and for good reason, because I'm starting to see a lot of commercials about it. Gold <laughs> being this great inflation protector, yeah. it's not. It's not. And there's other podcasts that we've done about gold in the past. That's all I'll say right now. But this too shall pass. And as long as you own good businesses that that do what we talked about, then, hey, relax. A producing asset. Maybe drive a little less. Yeah. Hey, there you go. All right, my friends. Hope that answers all your questions about inflation. If you have any other questions email us more than happy to to answer any questions you may have until next time bye-bye this is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual specific situation each individual's financial situation is unique and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.